Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. You know, this passage begins with the word, therefore. And I've mentioned to you before, every time you see the word, therefore, in the Bible, that means that it is referring back to what came just before that, and that it is uh, uh, that there's something important that you need to be keeping in mind while you're reading what follows the therefore. And what follows the therefore here is what is sometimes referred to as the hero's hall of faith. The writer of Hebrews has uh, uh, gone and gone all the way back to Abel, enlisting those who had lived and died in faith. And he comes on up and he comes into in verse 32 of the 11th chapter. He says, And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah of David, and Samuel and the prophets through who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead, back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. That apart from us. What the author of Hebrews is talking about there is the fact that Jesus meant it when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. All of these people who lived lives faithful to God before Jesus went to the cross wound up not being made perfect in their faith, in their relationship to God until Jesus died on the cross. That three days that he was in the tomb, his body was in the tomb, but his spirit was busy, scripture says, because he descended into Sheol and he preached 
to all of those, uh, even those that were in the flood had a chance to hear what he had done for them on the cross and had an opportunity to receive what happened there on that cross as being for themselves. They had the opportunity to appropriate Jesus' death on the cross as their payment for sin, just as we, looking back, have that opportunity. You see, the cross is central in history. All those that came before were not made perfect apart from the cross. All of those who come after are never made perfect, no matter how good they might be, apart from the cross. The cross is what's important to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and to God his Father. And if we haven't appropriated his cross for our personal uh, redemption, then we are still separated from God. So he says all of those that went before apart, they they are connected with us through the blood of Jesus. We are all one. We are all joined together because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. It's so appropriate that it is Communion Sunday as well as All Saints Day because we recognize that we are connected with all those that went before and we will be connected to all those who come after and live and die in faith. He says, therefore, and he looks back to the past and all through scripture, we see God referring us to the past so we'll know how to live today. And as we look at the, and many of us have examples, don't we? Of those people who have come before us. You know, we sit in a place that was built long before we ever uh, were conceived. We sit in a place and we stand in a place that uh, has been around for a long time because men and women of faith desired to come together and worship God and pass that faith on to those who came after. And so here we are 170 years later benefiting from what they did way back there at the very beginning of their, of this, of this church. But, uh, it says that, uh, it, but anyway, just, just, just think about those people in your own past that have been your examples. We were talking about one on the way in this morning, a guy by the name of Joe Martin. Joe got it right. He just oozed Jesus. He had been extremely lost and then he was extremely and radically saved and he just lived in peace with the Lord. And, uh, we talked about Joe Martin as we were coming in. There's another guy that uh, I was thinking of that uh, was just, he was such a precious soul. And the story that he shared uh, made such a difference. Uh, it, it just helps to bring all this together about how we're all together in this thing. His name was Brian Butts. Brian was one of my running buddies in St. Augustine, Texas. He was 96 years old whenever he finally decided he was going to stop driving his car. But he was, uh, he was just a wonderful guy, a meek person. He had been, uh, general, he'd been delegate to the general conference at one point. He was always lay leader from our church and, uh, uh, I mean, lay delegate to the uh, annual, to annual conference. And then, like I say, wound up uh, being a general, a, a delegate to general conference at one point. 
Um, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail other than uh, he was also the head of the education department for many, many, many years there in St. Augustine, as his father-in-law had been before him. And his father-in-law was his great example. He just humbly wanted to be the sort of Christian that his father-in-law had been. And he inherited being the uh, superintendent of the Sunday school from his father-in-law. And they were growing. The church was growing by leaps and bounds. And there was no place to have any more Sunday school classes. And uh, the, 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 the classrooms were just overflowing. And they had this problem with too many people and too little space. And they needed an education building. And he didn't, couldn't see the money. He couldn't see how it could be done, and he would pray about it and pray about it. And then one night, he fell asleep praying about it. And he said that he felt something tap his hand. And he woke up and he looked over, and there was his little girl who had died when she was six years of age of pneumonia following the measles. And he said it was just the most natural thing in the world for her to be standing there. And he just sat up on the bed she took his hand and he said he slipped on his, his trousers and she led him through the door uh, that went to the outside from his bedroom outside. And he was thinking, is this a dream? Is this real? I need to know. And so he looked over and there was a bush and he grabbed a branch off that bush. And as he followed her down the sidewalk, he would take bits of that bush and pull it off and drop it along the way. She led him to the church, which was about a block from where they lived. And he could see there was a light on in the main meeting room in the church building. She took him up the side steps and he opened the door. And there, sitting around the circle in the meeting room, was his father-in-law, other men that had died many, many ages before. Some he didn't even recognize. All illustrious leaders of uh, that particular congregation for ages and ages. And he walked in and they all looked at him. And his father-in-law said, Brian, we need a new education building. And they began to tell him exactly how he should pull this off. And he uh, and his father-in-law told him, now you need to go to this person. They'll give you this much money. This person will give you this much money. And he told him exactly everything he needed to do and who he needed to see to have this happen. And after it was all over, he said, well, that's, that's what this was all about. And the meeting was over. His little girl took him by the hand and led him back to his uh, house. And he led him back to his bed. He laid down in bed and went to sleep. The next morning, he told his wife, he said, I had the neatest dream last night. It was fantastic. I got to see our little girl. I saw your father. And uh, and he said, but it was so real. And his wife said, well, how do you know that it's not real? And he told her about putting the pulling off the leaves and the branches. And so his wife went to the door and opened it up. And there was a trail of branches and leaves all the way to the church. Well, Brian did exactly what his father-in-law told him to do. And there's a really nice 
education building on the side of St. Augustine United Methodist Church. The communion of saints, they're still with us, folks. He says, it's therefore, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, they're not as far away as we might imagine. But it says, let us, we look to the past, we look to those examples that we have in the faith, and then we recognize that they are still with us, that they're still watching. And that, uh, but then also, it says that we're surrounded. It's like in a coliseum and the call and the credits full and they look down and they're watching. Well, it says, then he goes on, the Hebrew author goes on and tells us how we should live. We should be living following their example, shouldn't we? Those examples of those who have gone on before. And he tells us to do two different things. First of all, lay aside every weight. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. I just always stick an of in there mentally, the weight of sin. There's not an of in there. Lay aside every weight. And as I was preparing, it dawned on me, there are weights that can pull us away from the Lord that aren't sin. They can lead to sin, but there are such things. The rich young ruler, he didn't sin. He just turned and walked away because of his love of his wealth. If you look at the parable of the soils, all those things that are listed, many of them are not uh, those that pull people away from the from the life of faith. They're not sins themselves. They just keep people from moving on. And uh, so uh, we're told to uh, be beware of the deceitfulness of riches and uh, the, the cares of the world and different things like that that can pull us away. Attacks of the enemy. There's so many things that can pull at our faith and pull us away. And he says, lay aside every weight. He wouldn't tell us to do that if we could not do it. And so he doesn't tell us to do anything that is not a matter of the will. And what you do, you can stop telling your, your God how big your mountains are and realize how big your God is and start telling your mountains how big your God is and start walking in faith, facing those things that are facing you. He wants to help you with those weights, just as he helped those that went on before you with their weights. So lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily entangles us and run with endurance, it says. It gets hard sometime, but whenever it gets hard, you just breathe deeper and you chug along and you keep going. You don't give in. Sometimes it's hard, I know. But you know, he's given us examples. Those who came before us and then looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. As we look at him, we remember what lies ahead. All those that went on before, we're going to get to see them. We're going to get to be in his presence. And we have examples as to how to pull that off. I want to conclude with a story about a couple of orphan boys who were uh, rolling up newspapers to help make ends meet. And they were sitting there on the city uh, corner rolling up their newspapers when a really nice limousine pulled up. And 
The chauffeur gets out, comes over, opens the door. A very well-dressed man comes up and walks over to the boys and says, I'm looking for Jimmy Bradley. And one of the little boys looked puzzled and he said, I'm Jimmy Bradley, mister. He said, Jimmy, my name is Billy Bradley and I'm your brother. I have been looking for you for years and I want you to come and live with me and I want to take care of you. And uh, would you do that? He had nowhere else to go. So he said, why, sure. He hopped in the car. They took off. There was another little, there were two, more, two little boys left there, rolling up their newspapers. One of them said, boy, I sure wish I had a brother like that. The other one said, I want to be a brother like that. And I think that's our call today. You know, you can look at the past and you can see our great examples and those people that, that you know were godly people. And uh, instead of uh, uh, saying, I'm just glad I have those examples. Remember, you can be that sort of example. You are called to be that sort of example. As you move on, following their example, you become the example for all those that are going to, that are here with you now and looking to you. And so you make sure that they see you looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.